Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illnesses as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all of the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on the pathway to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as an empath. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now, let's get started. so excited to share with you that this episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals, the company on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet, which is something I know we can all get behind. Beekeepers Naturals is replacing your conventional medicine cabinet staples with clean and natural remedies that actually work. One of those products is called the Propolis Throat Spray and is a daily dose of defense when it comes to supporting your immune system, soothing scratchy throats, and supporting speedy recovery. It just has three simple ingredients. It is powered by bee propolis, which if you haven't heard of this, it's an incredible germ fighter from the hive that contains over 300 beneficial compounds, including a lot of antioxidants. And if you listen to the past two episodes, you'll know that December was rough for me, and I 
super sick. And I mentioned how in this dark night of the soul, I reached out to my intuitive healer, aka psychic. Her name's Beth. She's amazing. And in that conversation with her, she said, Sarah, you need some honey (laughs) while I was in LA. And I was like, oh my gosh, Beth, I literally just right as I was getting on the plane to come fly out to LA from Denver, grabbed the beekeepers natural propolis throat spray. And so I was like, I got it. And so from that day forward, rest of my trip, I was like spraying my mouth like crazy with this throat spray and not only soothed my throat, but it also helped uh, protect me from allergens and help me immune system. And honestly, it just felt like I was, it was helping me digest a lot of the negative energy that was around me. So super, super powerful. And I'm super excited to share with you all that I have a discount for you. So in order for you to feel your absolute best, it is time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade. I want you to try this spray. It also tastes good. So that's an added bonus. You can save 15% off of your first order by either going to beekeepersnaturals.com backslash healing uncensored or simply enter the code healing uncentered, all one word. And I'll link those both into the show note as well. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Y'all, I am super excited for my guest today, Figs O'Sullivan. Figs is a licensed marriage and family therapist certified in emotionally focused couples therapy. And he's the creator of Empathy, Empathy with an I, method and the certification process for empathy coaches. His life mission is to help couples feel more connected. And I thought it would be fascinating to have him on the Healing Uncensored show to talk about relationships, which is something that we haven't discussed very much. And I think that there are some subtle energies and nuances that could affect empaths a little bit differently when it comes to relationships. So I can't wait to dive into today's episode and for you guys to glean all of the knowledge that Figs has to share with us. Welcome to the show, Figs. I'm so excited to have you on today. We're talking about relationships. And I personally think that we can learn so much about ourselves through relationships. Yet so many people I talk with and that are in my community come to me saying they're they're really struggling with relationships in their life. So why do you think it is on a, on a broad level that we have so many challenges in relationships? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. So a couple of things I would say. One is we are, it's just the way we're built physiologically, right? That love and relationship um, or quote unquote uh, emotional bonding mm-hmm. or what they technically would call um, emotional attachment um is our birthright it's not it's not some optional thing that we could go oh i i I could do it a little bit or i could i could let it go i don't really need it that much from the moment you're born your first primary need is there's a good enough other on the other side of your birth that you can rely on to be there for you emotionally and physically or else Mm -hmm. you would be eaten by dingoes Right. (laughs) right like it's not and i you know i know you say it like jokingly But our bodies are built to detect, first and foremost, is there anybody there? Yeah. So, and just because now we've grown up and we have little little phones in our pocket and we can do all the, you know, we can order, you know, 
pizzas and mm-hmm. drive cars and use iPhones. Like nothing actually has changed fundamentally. So that means two people that love each other, no matter how brilliant they are as coaches or how amazing they are at like saving the planet or whatever the hell they do for a living, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like the, when it comes to love, we're all still little babies inside. Yeah. And, and people don't accept that. Mm. People actually think, no, I'm not supposed to be really scared and abandoned right now. Mm. Like, you know, or they think their partner, hey, you shouldn't be making such a big deal of the fact that I didn't validate you in front of those people. Mm. Like, or whatever it is, right? Whatever the trigger was. But actually, no, it makes sense that people people really, really hurt in matters in love, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing, that people don't actually accept the essence of who we are and that more than anything, it makes sense that people get their feelings hurt in love. And they shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be judging yourself. You shouldn't be judging other people. And when you then look at, look at all of your own behaviors, other people's behaviors through that lens, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, everybody makes sense. Yeah. Right. Everything makes sense. And if you don't mind, there's one other thing I want to say about this. Right. The other reason I think, you know, and because you're a coach and I think, you know, lots of your audience are into this. I'm going to like start off with probably upsetting some people. Right. <laughs> the, the other reason why I think relationships get in a lot of trouble is because the predominant narrative, there's two different predominant narratives about like in the personal development world. There's this notion that I'm going to be me and I'm going to work out what I want and I'm going to ask for my needs to be met, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's great truth to that for sure, right? But again, most of the time, the place that people ask for their needs to be met is from a place of feeling I'm not getting something and you're the one that's withholding it from me. And so the way that request lands is it actually hurts your partner because even if you're not, it's not your intention to, what it really lands is you're letting them know they're inadequate or they're failing you in some way, mm-hmm. right? So, so one of the things that has kind of been a dominant force in the personal development movement from the 60s is this, you know, I'm going to be me and you be you. And if me being me and you being you, we get along, that's great. But if me being me and you being you, we don't get along, it can't be helped, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's only half the truth. Because the other part of the reality of being human is we're interdependent. So like me being me and I realize I have these particular raw spots and wounds and when I actually ask for them to be met, it actually hurts your feelings. And now you being you, now that your feelings are hurt, you have these different ways of protecting yourself that now signals to me I'm not going to get my needs met. So now I'm going to double down and be more hurtful to you, which hurts you even more. And so now no wonder you pull away even more from me. Mm. Oh, shoot. Like... Our, the personal development movement is only now, I mean, relatively recently, starting to take in this system's understanding yeah. that we can't just be, I'm going to be me and you be you, and let's see if we can make it work. We have to start considering what is the system that we are co-creating together and mm-hmm. how do we attend to the system as opposed to policing mm-hmm. ourselves and each other. Uh, I I love that. And it is, it's such a basic human need to have connection from the moment you're born, from the moment you come out of the womb, we depend on it for our like literal survival. And then 
we think maybe maybe as we grow up and we when we start to think for ourselves that you know I don't need anybody or I'm fine by myself or like you said I'll be me you be you and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't but but I think that's why people this is just my own opinion but why people run away from relationships so much is that they're like oh, okay well like you know you you're not like me or we're not going to be able to work this out. So I'm just going to run away versus sticking it out or being able to learn from each other or being able to accept some of the parts of maybe your partner that are not the same, same as you. And so when you see people like there is a time to end a relationship, right? That's not of serving course. you that is toxic in some way. And other times maybe we run away too soon before we really give it a chance. How do you navigate that? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's a great question. And it's, it's, again, it's the, um, the seekers dilemma in general, right? Like when I'm, I'm in a relationship and I'm really triggered and you're like, Oh yes, what a growth opportunity I'm in versus mm-hmm. no, hold on a second. This is traumatic. And it's like, Mm-hmm. I can't function and it's mm-hmm. it's not good for me, right? It's a hard mm-hmm. one to know sometimes which it is. And so what I always tell people is the best thing to do is first study, like kind of like I was just talking about, can we spend some time where we could study the system that you've co-created with each other, mm-hmm. right? Because all roads to a better relationship and whether that's hopefully it's a better relationship that you're in or whether it's what you learn through the study will help you have a better relationship next time mm-hmm. right now like all roads to a better relationship have to pass through your ability to see our problems are an us problem not a me or you problem mm. so the That's first really thing important. i do absolutely right so the, the first thing we have to do is have or like or i do when i try and work with a couple is i'm trying to help them have a shared narrative of what's happening because mm-hmm. when people first come to see me or i first talk to them on the phone as you can imagine, the first person I talk to, even if they're, they're not intending to do it, they tell me about how they're hurting and what the other person's doing to them. Right. How they're withholding love, you know, they're a blamer, they're a criticizer, they're a non-lover, mm-hmm. they're cold, whatever it is, and like how awful it is for them, right? Now, I talk to the other person and they uh, then tell me about the way they're hurting mm-hmm. and what the other person is doing to them. They're complaining, they're moaning, they're this, they're that, whatever it is, right? And so, look, there's great truth to both stories. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're both, they're both true. Right. And so then what I do is I take those two true stories. They are both hurting and they do both have ways of reacting that hurts the other person. Mm-hmm. So, but then we combine it into one narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. And at first, that one narrative, we're just trying to get like cognitive buy-in. Like, just like, hey, by the way, can you see, like, when you're hurting, the way you react hurts the other person. And Mm -hmm. then when you, the other person, hurts, the way you react, which totally makes sense that you react the way you do, hurts the first person even more. So now they're going to react. And we get in this vicious cycle, this Mm -hmm. almost infinity loop, right? Yeah. Look, and then this is the key. What I'm about to say next is the key statement, right? Where it says, look how terrible this is for both of you. Mm. And the key in that statement is the both, us. So we're trying to go from two separate suffering bubbles. Like, like, you know, the one partner or spouse is in a suffering bubble because I'm not being loved and met the way I want to. And the other partner's in their separate suffering bubble now, right? And we're we're trying to take those two separate suffering bubbles and make them into one shared relationship suffering bubble, Mm -hmm. right? Because that... 
limbically. And that's what I say, like, so first we want cognitive buy-in, but then we got to like the real healing happens on the level of our limbic system. Right. Which I know with like, you know, with, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about your work, right. But with autoimmune stuff too, right. We know like there is a limbic component, right. Yes. To, right. So, you know, so, um, so, so this is the key and, you know, do I'm, I like to say one of my favorite quotes of my own is we're not going to neocortex our way out of what is primarily a limbic system problem. Yeah. But first we got the neo, we got to get the neocortex to buy in. Mm -hmm. And then we have to have an actual drop, like an actual state change where I'm now not sitting on a couch with someone or in an argument with someone who is withholding love and understanding from me. Mm -hmm. I'm actually in a really painful moment for both of us. And yeah. I'm in a painful moment for both of us that we both really love each other. This is tragic and painful for mm -hmm. two of us. So now we're no longer a limbic threat to each other. Mm. And two people that love each other that have gone from being a threat to each other's limbic systems to actually know I'm hurting and you're hurting and we're only hurting because we love each other. Mm. There's an, the amount of new options that are available and some of them are loving and hugging and kissing and like, you know, repairing and coming up with solutions to whatever the prop content problem was. Yeah. Like, so the art and craft of my work you know, one is getting people to have a bit of cognitive buy-in, but I have to talk fast. Like I'm talking now with two people want to kill each other or, you know, like figuratively speaking. Yeah. Right. Um, and then once I get their buy-in a little bit cognitively, now I'm going to like try and slow them down and enter into the painful place and have a shared empathic moment together. Mm -hmm. And then from that shared empathic moment, which in and of itself is just a neutral place mm -hmm. because they love each other. That neutral empathic moment can be filled with all of those feelings of love and compassion mm -hmm. that they've always had for each other. Yeah. And then I get to witness these beautiful, like people loving and holding each other and wiping their little tears, and <laughs> yeah. their little noses. And, and then we integrate that moment. Right. And now we can, now we make meaning out of it. Oh my God, this is terrible. When I was hurting and the way I reacted hurted you and then the way you react hurted me and we just kept making it worse and this went on for weeks or months or years. This is awful. But look what we were able to do right now. We had the exact same feelings, but we went deeper down to how it hurt and we shared it with each other and we we're there for each other. Whoa. And that doesn't just heal the current relationship people are in. That heals the missing experience inside the little ones Right. When people get together and in a long term relationship, you start that relationship with two little kids in your relationship already. They're the two yeah. little kids that were already inside you. Mm -hmm. And so that starts to like strengthen the narrative of that. I could actually be hurting in matters of emotional connection and I could have a positive outcome. So I don't have to run away. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, I don't have to just go, that other person, F them. They're never going to show up. I don't have to become like, you know miss or mr um naggy pants or mm -hmm. whatever you do right um and i don't have to just collapse i could actually feel my pain yeah. reach out and have a reparative experience and we have to this. do that in both directions right but anyway I love that you brought in and you talk a lot about in your, in, in your I work, talk a lot. empathy. <laughs> well, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But no, the, the, the discussion around empathy and it seems like 
where as once it was more of this world revolving around me, my pain, my experience, what you did to me and how I feel, now you're opening up your viewpoint to include that other person, like you were saying, and that, that's part of right. that cognitive buy-in and that then they can work into the limbic system. But it's right. it, taking that other person you know, who's in front of you, who you love, and being able to understand that it's not all one-sided that there's two sides to this story and like you started off saying they're both true both of our experiences in this relationship are valid and truthful and like part of this collective reality that we're experiencing in our relationship and if we can start to see the other person's side and realize that this is something that my my husband has taught me a lot about relationships Mm -hmm. and one of the things he was first saying when we first started dating was like we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Like, why are you fighting me? Because I had a lot of relationship issues because of old traumas, childhood stuff, like just feeling abandoned, feeling like I had to be an independent woman and I was never allowed to rely on or depend on anybody in my life for numerous reasons that were more limiting beliefs and, you know, false realities, but at the same time, very real experiences I had been in. And he just, whenever we, you know, bicker about whatever, we're on the same team, Sarah, like this is actually not something that we're like, I love you. You love me. So let's work it out versus sitting at opposite sides of the field or the couch or wherever here. And like, feeling like we're only in our own little bubble and, and merging that together so that we can see a more complete story of what's, yeah. of what's happening. So I'm so curious to know, Figs, what are some of, it's just like a, you know, themes that you see in, in your work, the main mm, hurdles, issues, challenges that people do experience in their relationships? Is there anything that you're most commonly having right. people come to you to find support around? Yeah. Well, well, firstly, I'm going to say, look, I really appreciate you just sharing about yourself, obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, it's your podcast, but I just, I really appreciate it. And it's just, and also just, it's lovely to hear the way, you know, your, your partner like responds to you. And that's for someone that has like a lot of you know, has had pain around feeling abandoned or I can't rely on someone. That's such yeah. a beautiful message, right? That we're a team, right? That, now, that made me know he was a, at least part he, of what made me know he was there. a keeper. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Now, again, I'm not a big believer in having expectations of other people need to respond to us in a particular way. Mm-hmm. I would say like, let's say we had four units of responsibility in relationship. Three units of that should be on noticing what you're feeling inside and sharing mm-hmm. it, sharing about yourself from a vulnerable place. Yeah. And one unit is to be able to intuit what the other person is feeling and mm-hmm. then to be able to respond to them. So interesting. You're so primarily more, you're more self-awareness than, than observing externally. Well, so yeah, well, so there is observing externally, but again, if, again, so two things you could pay attention to that your one is observing internally, like I said, and then the other is observing the system that you're in together as a if you're in together that's really good like okay so what is it i'm doing where's this vulnerability coming inside me and being able to describe it Mm -hmm. versus describing the other person Mm -hmm. and then of course it's like so hold on a second what's the system we're both in at the moment yeah like observing that's really healthy now nobody needs my help or anyone's help at observing their partner's flaws 
<laughs> yeah, right? we're just good at a that. dead end, right? Just a dead end. You, you're brilliant. You've got a postdoctorate. You're the world's renowned expert. Let it go, mm-hmm. right? And that's the part that people are like, oh no, yeah, I'm very observant. I, I notice all the things they do wrong, right? No, not very helpful. So that's mm-hmm. like, so, so that's where my worry is when I validate. Just the reason I just said that right now is because when I go like, oh, that's so great that they say that to you. Hey, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Is I'm worried like one of your listeners is writing right now get partner to tell me we are <laughs> yeah. a team. Like that's some sort like, of pre-qualification no. or something. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, and that, it kind of misses the point <laughs> because it's like, oh, so I'm going to take from this another way for me to police and tell my partner what they need to do to be a good partner, right? right? Which of course is like, ah, crap. All you're going to do now is make your system worse, mm-hmm. right? You and- know, I'm glad you brought that up actually because it's one thing for him to have repeatedly reminded me of that we were on the same team, but what that actually, it wasn't about him like on a surface level saying that, but what that allowed me to do was pause and get a little bit out of survival mode so I could look at myself so I could actually look at how I was feeling so that I could actually express how I was feeling. And it became more of an internal thing uh, because some of my defenses started to, Exactly. Take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like one of the, you know, one of the main things I'm always doing with people is like, here, come here. This terrible thing you ha- think is happening right now is not happening right now. And so that's great that, that like, hey, we're on the same team is tell you, look, your limbic system is like, again, because being connected is so important. It looks like my partner's out there for me. There is a 10 alarm fire. Mm-hmm. I, I have to do something. And the beauty about that, like, hey, for someone that has more vulnerability around I don't know if someone's there for me feel it fears of being abandoned etc right it's happening again they're not there right like your your body your limbic system and then you think you're saying things that are really smart but really you're just trying to desperately get away from what feels like an existential threat so mm-hmm. that you know the past has merged with the present and so that kind of hey come here by the way in this present moment I'm here I'm with you Mm-hmm. We are a team is just taking the part of us, like trying to tell the part of us that's ready to, um, you know, burn the building down, yeah. to save ourselves, <laughs> that there isn't actually any need for that. Like it right. still hurts this moment of disconnection, mm-hmm. but you're not under as big a threat as you think you are. Yeah. As, as is perceived. And, and that as was perceived. very much, I always thought the, the house was freaking burning. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. And look, and it is, and this is the crazy thing. The house isn't actually burning. And that is the truth. Your experience is valid. And so that's where relationships are confusing Mm -hmm. because like, you know, you, you come to someone and you say, the house is burning. And they're (laughs) looking around going, Hey, come here. The house is not burning. But so both people are true. If the Mm -hmm. house isn't actually burning and yet you are genuinely in that experience, Mm -hmm. it's your, your, as far as your body's concerned, this is real. Mm-hmm. right and so it and so this is what's it's hard right that um and then what i would say like relationship then has impossible moments and here's and so we have to be able to make our friends with at least accept and surrender to the fact of impossible moments in relationship and here's what i mean by impossible moments right Mm-hmm. So we did a little bit of describing what it's like to be you. And this answers your question about what's the most common dynamic that couples come in yeah. with, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, this is, this is the most common dynamic. People think they're coming in about money, about sex, where do we live, 
like you want vaccinations, I don't, mm. whatever, right? Like whatever people think the content is, there's the content itself they're fighting about, but then there's the emotional process that's happening between them is really what they're really fighting about, right? Yeah. And that typically, and that'll, that'll bring people to quote unquote impossible moment. And here's like an impossible moment. Here's the most standard, typical impossible moment. One person's in the place where it looks like you're not there for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I have a place inside me already. I've been walking around with it all my life where I can actually hurt terribly, have a raw spot whenever it looks like my primary person isn't there for me. I get mm-hmm. a shadow of that, like goes, like, you know, like flies across my head and I'm like, <gasps> like it's, it's happening again, right? But then I signal to you, my partner, like in some way that I think you're not here for me. Like I, I stop my eyes narrow, I stop breathing, or I literally tell you, you're not being here for me, right? Where are you, right? Whatever way I do it, which, it, which hits a raw spot in your partner. And their raw spot isn't probably, oh, it looks like you're not there for me. It's most likely, <gasps> it looks like I'm failing to be enough again. Mm-hmm. It looks like me being me is unacceptable. I'm a disappointment. I'm in trouble. And that is unbearable. It is unbearable inside them. And so now they're going to try and do something to get out of feeling the not enoughness, the powerlessness. So they're going to try and exit, pull Mm -hmm. away from it. They're trying to try and explain themselves, plead their innocence. No, I was here the whole time. What are you talking about? I'm sitting right beside. Like, even though it makes sense, it's true what they're saying, but the way they try and get out of the unbearable not enoughness or powerlessness will re-signal to you, oh my God, if I thought a second ago maybe you weren't here, you've just confirmed you're not here. Mm. And so now it's a 10 alarm fire to a 12 alarm fire. And we end up scaring the living daylights out of each other. And and so now, look, to anyone looking, the two people are sitting like they're arguing over who's going to wash the dishes or something. But inside... One person's in the, like, the terror, their limbic system's in the terror of like, I'm not loved, I'm all alone in the world. And the other person is, there's no way for me to ever be enough. There's absolutely no way out. Mm-hmm. It is, it's so, but here's the tragedy. Most people still think at the end of an argument or fight or stuck place like that, that they just thought about who's going to wash the dishes. And they have to come right. to some logical like, well, I'll do it on the odd days of the week and you do it on the even, right? Like, that's not... That's not what, that'll never solve the problem, right? That's the not prob- the real problem, right? It's not the real problem, right? Yeah. The real problem is we are so important to each other. Our limbic systems got so scared or don't call them our limbic systems. The little kids inside us got terrified for a second that like, I looked like you weren't there for me and I looked like I was a disappointment to you. Oh my God, that was awful. <sighs> Thank God we're out of that now, right? Yeah. And we can be there for those little ones inside us now. Mm-hmm. So the number one thing, whatever people come to talk to me about, is the little they're scaring the living daylights out of the little ones inside of each other and we have to resolve the emotional bonding issue the limbic system issue and Mm -hmm. that is basically walking through the ability to go from escalated where they're threatened and they're acting in a way that's threatening to the other person even if you don't think yourself your behavior is threatening yeah right and both people like be able to take them from that to get to the neutral place Mm -hmm. i see it's both of us and we're both hurting and then we take them from the neutral place where 
we're only fighting because we love each other and we're both hurting to actually then being able to dive deep into our vulnerability and share with each other and be there for each other and have these loving reparative moments. And then we integrate those experiences into every moment of our life so that the next time we end up in an impossible moment, it's able to last a little bit less time and we do dramatically less damage and scare each other even less. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, we're able to repair again. Mm, I love that. And maybe it's, thank you. And maybe it's because I'm Irish, right? (laughs) Or, you know, I'm not American that I can accept that that's as good as relationship gets. Mm. One of the things I always think about, like this work can be a little harder for Americans and maybe I'm wrong, is because you know you have it written into your constitution, like you have the right to pursue happiness. Like, like you know, like you say, perfection is the enemy of the good. Yeah. Right? Like, like there's this kind of, like, as Fairy good Fairy tale, almost. Yeah. Like, exactly. As opposed to, look, what I think a good relationship is, is two people that love each other so much, that means you're going to scare each other because it's really important. It looks like you're there for me. Mm-hmm. And it's really important. It looks like you're not disappointed in me. And when we get scared, it's going to be awful for a while because we're physiologically built that we're going to get threatened. We're going to look threatening to each other. But we're able to make sense of it, get out of our threatened brains, mm-hmm. start to signal to each other, look, that we're both hurting and then take turns to share our vulnerability and be there for each other and integrate yeah. and then feel even more connected to each other at the end of it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's as, and then and then wait till the next time it happens. Yeah. It's not like a one and done. That's it. Now we'll never have to fight again. Mm-hmm. Right. No, you love each other. You're going to scare to live in daylight instead of each other over and over again for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, Figs, I have a recurring question I get that is related, but a little different because it's about women come to me and they feel like they know their ex is not great for them. And they might've been even broken up for a while, yet there's still this like lingering attachment to that old relationship. There's still that thought of like, Mm, I, I like almost a guilt too around thinking about that person or like mm. considering going back to them, even though they know that that is not, not their person. So how do you navigate kind of um, that ex relationship? Cause it, I think then it still is a relationship. Even if you're not talking, there's still right. something happening between you and this person energetically that you're still allowing them to sort of be part of your life or for you to have them in your thoughts frequently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do we need to sever that? What, how do we navigate that feeling of like, ah, uh, that person's still on my mm-hmm. mind, even though I know that they were not a good relationship for me? Yeah, well, so it's a great question, right? So the first thing, like with everything, is we've got to find a safe way to let, to be with what is and accept it. Before we start, again, you know, same, before we start working out what's the solution, what should I do, I have to be able to be fully immersed into the reality of what I'm living in, right? Mm. And when I, when people come to see me, People like, let's say someone comes in a situation you described that they're in an affair. And I say, look, before we start trying to like resolve what's happening, we're going to have to be even more deeply immersed in what is. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you have no idea how immersed I am in this. Right. But (laughs) but the truth is like people aren't that good at being immersed in what is for for good reason, because it's too painful. It's too uncomfortable. There's too much uncertainty. And so we're always rushing 
to get to what the answer is. Yeah. And what I do is help people more deeply sit in the moment and let it unfold so that we could get to what's organically true. So it's almost like we're asking the wrong first question exactly. of like what yes. to do instead right. of feeling into what you're feeling and not just the immerse, immersiveness of like, I'm thinking about this all the time. And instead, cause maybe they are thinking about it a lot, but instead, are you, how does that actually make you feel? Are you feeling into that old relationship or how you're even feeling in this moment? Yeah. So the first, yeah, like just to give permission to myself to feel it. Because if you think about, look, here I am thinking about an ex and I have, so one part of me is thinking about him and is in some longing for that connection that I had and I don't have now. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, if you think, there's just multiple parts to this. Can I allow the longing part to be here? Like literally imagine these are all separate people inside of you. So the first thing we're going to do is tell the longing part of you, come on in, you're welcome. We're not going to try and make sense of you or work out whether you should be here or not. You are here means you're welcome here. Then there's the part of me that has a story about, well, I shouldn't be doing this. Right. Come on in. Let's give you some airtime and hear what your story is. Mm -hmm. Let's welcome that part, right? Then let's say there's... There's other parts, right? There's parts where I'm actually angry about my last relationship. Great. Let's let that part of you have some time, right? And, and look, you know, this can sound, what was it? Wasn't there some, didn't Clint Eastwood do some parts work in the Republican convention stage or something? Like, so he kind of, like, like, so this is like an acting exercise slash mm -hmm. um, existential psychotherapy exercise. We actually let those different parts talk to each other. Yeah. Right. So let them be here. Let them talk to each other. Feel what it's like to talk as the part that I that I'm giving full permission to. I do actually long for that ex relationship. Mm -hmm. But remember, I'm not doing anything about it. I'm just allowing that. I'm not gonna. That doesn't mean I'm gonna go call them. But I'm just at some moment being held by some guide. You know, whether it's inside myself or with some therapist or coach, right? I'm actually gonna really dive into what I feel, allow it to be here, and then see what it feels like. Mm -hmm. and see what it transitions into, right? So 80% of the interventions of, let's say, if I was working with an individual like that, 80% mm -hmm. of the, my interventions are, and what happens next? Like it's, I'm not, all I'm trying to do is help you get out of your own way mm -hmm. and, help, and make sure I stay out of the way and trying to problem solve what you do and just see if we can deeply give permission to what is and then study it and see what organic, where that organically takes you yeah. inside of yourself. Because if you can do work like that, where you can go deeply inside yourself with curiosity and allow your moment to moment experience unfold, mm -hmm. the answer of what you're supposed to do will come to you. You yeah. don't. And again, it sounds so esoteric and so clear, but it really is true. Mm -hmm. If you can do it, you know, there's no point in fighting with yourself or having feelings. Okay, again, I, I love something you said earlier. It's just valid. It's true. Don't, don't be, you know, trying to work out whether you should or shouldn't have the feelings. You do. Yeah. You have them. They're there. <laughs> Case closed. Right. Um, yeah. And I would just try and more deeply feel them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's, I, I love it. And I think that one of the pieces I'm taking away from especially your unique approach is that there's 
all judgment is removed. Like that judgment is pulled away. It is exactly. Just, it, there's no reason for there to be any judgment here, especially of ourselves and the way we feel. And and all of our feelings are valid, uh, but it's potentially more empowering in relationships to then expand that view and right. start to see others' feelings as as valid as well. Exactly. And so, but by the way, the thing is though that we do judge ourselves, right? So you're oh, right. We should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we we do judge ourselves, and so it's really, really good to think of just like I was saying. There are the different people inside you. Yeah. Think of the the part of you that judges as a separate person, and mm-hmm. then get very good at noticing when that part of you With is that. doing the talking, mm-hmm. and then you hopefully can then eventually, you know, you can notice the little one inside who the words of judgments actually land on and you can be a loving supportive friend to mm-hmm. that one you can actually love her or him and care for her and him yeah yourself nourish that part of you and you can tell the the critic or the judge hey back off i know you think you're being helpful right now with your mm-hmm. judgments or your advice and what i should do but yeah. it's actually just hurtful mm-hmm. right um so the better you get at that you know and, and i always say the hardest homework i ever give clients right, to do is I want you to be kind to yourself. Yeah. And when you fail at being kind to yourself, you you know what you have to do. Your punishment is to be kind to yourself. (laughs) Right. And so very, again, really simple stuff, right, but really, really um, important. And so something like this where I'm having feelings for someone and it didn't work and there was good reasons it didn't work and I don't know if I'm supposed to have these feelings, but I do have these feelings. First thing is like, oh, come on, take it easy on yourself. It's okay. Of course you would feel that way. And for all the reasons we just talked about, you yeah. had this connection with someone. There's some longing to be in partnership and it's gone. And here, and that person in many ways was great. But like, ouch, what a painful place to be in. Of course you would be in this place of confusion and longing and I don't mm-hmm. know. Whatever it is, right? Like that immediately changed. That's like, you know, and again with autoimmune stuff too, right? They're like I'm holding something like this, it's really tight. Mm-hmm. Just like releasing, like just holding it just where it's got a little bit more space to breathe. Oh my God, it changes everything, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the issue is still there, <laughs> you know, it changes everything. Like, but, but you know, it, it has a big, a big impact. I um, love that. So as we uh, start to come to the top of our time here, I'd love for just any little nuggets of wisdom from you on how we can all <coughs> learn to, to love better in our lives and like where, do, where do we start or what do we start with when we consider wanting to invite more love in? Right. Yeah. So the first thing I would just say, like we talked about, is how do I start to make that transition from this isn't a me or a you problem, it's an us problem. And not an us problem like that there's something wrong with us. It's like, oh, no, it makes sense. I get it. I get when I'm hurting, there's ways that I signal to you that I'm not there for you or I'm not support, like I don't believe in you or whatever it is, which hurts you. And so no wonder you now signal to me that you're even less here for me and we get stuck. That's our issue. Mm-hmm. And again, it's only happening because we love each other. Yeah. That, that shift in perspective is the most important thing. It's the hardest thing and most important thing. So I would just, that's the number one thing that I would work on mm-hmm. now. You know, like I have the, val- like I have this, you know, there I've 
my practice here in San Francisco and we got like 12 therapists here in San Francisco um, on the team. And they're all allowed to be their own people except for we do the same type of work with couples. And everyone else is much nicer than me. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. But, but, but the other, the other kind of um, business I have is I developed a set of online tools and courses and relationship coaching for people all over America and the world. And that's empathy.com. And that's empathy with an I on the end, not a Y on the end. Right. Uh, .com. I couldn't afford empathy with a Y on the end. <laughs> So somebody's got to have that. Uh, and be made. No, they do. I wrote to them. <laughs> They're actually not even using it like really. But anyway, but they, they wouldn't give it to me. But um, anyway, so empathy with an eye on the end .com, And you just start with the quiz, right? There's a just take the quiz. And what happens when you answer this bunch of questions, we then give you this reflection. We call it your self-discovery report. It tells you who you are mm -hmm. in love and relationship from an attachment perspective, from this very kind, compassionate voice. No pathologizing. Part of why I built it is when you read books about attachment, oh my God, I was depressed. I would never want to be in a relationship again. Yeah. Like, because you know, they make you feel like there's something wrong with you or something wrong with your relationship. Well, these label all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm an avoidant, fearful attachment yeah, style. Exactly. Now, don't you want to date me? <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. So look, so that's partly why I built it is like, look, this information has to be given to people in a much kinder, more loving, you know, empathic way. Yeah. So you'd get your self-discovery report. Then you invite your partner, right? And it doesn't matter, you know, gender, same gender, like, they, you know, whatever your pronouns are, mm -hmm. we have a setup that it works for everybody. Everybody in, good. in a primary relationship, just but one-on-one uh, -on -one relationship. Um, and then you invite your partner. They take the quiz, right through the link you sent them, and then they get their self-discovery report. But then, most importantly, now that we have both of your answers, we we get all those answers together, and we have little little children in Ireland that do it. No, it's like automatically done. There's no child labor. Not even little little red haired Irish. There's an algorithm. Who are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's an algorithm. Little leprechauns. They're in some big room dancing away to Kaylee music. Yeah. But no, sorry. So there's a little algorithm that puts together both of your answers and gives you your this is your relationship system report. And it, it. it illustrates for you this is what this is the system we co-create. And these are the things we have to work on to make our relationship better. And then every week we send you a, what we call 10 seconds to love better. And it's a little personalized reminder how to stay inside this loving frame of yourself, mm -hmm. of your relationship. And, um, and then, go, like I said, we have courses and all that. But I, I would start with, if you want to work on this, like how do I start seeing the system? How do I understand myself? the validity of myself and how I feel and act and my partner mm -hmm. and why we co-create what we do. I would start with that quiz at empathy.com. Okay. Awesome. I will link that in yeah. the show notes. Is there anything else that the listeners should know about or ways to find you today, Figs? Um, I don't think so. I think that's good. I just thank you very much for having me on your show. And I, I really, it was lovely talking to you. Oh, really was. You. I do a lot of these shows, by the way. <laughs> and I have to say, no, I really enjoy talking to you. And I just found that you, um, you got it. You get it. Yeah. Which is really nice, right? Yeah. You know, totally. So I, it was really lovely to talk to you.
Well, I just thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and all of your years of experience and the, just the unique approach you do take to this. Because yeah. I think there are so many ways to approach relationships. And I'm really resonating with this that drops deeper into the limbic system, into our emotions and allows the, the child within all of us yeah. to um, be seen and, and to be validated uh, within right. this experience as you start to see the system that you've created in your relationships as, as yeah. you talk about it. So oh, well, thank, you well, thank you so much again. I appreciate you being on the show today. Cheers, Sarah.